opens the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, which we hear our uh, first reading from today, coins uh, the phrase that there's nothing new under the sun. This phrase, which uh, has made its way into English, comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, not from the, uh, the little excerpt we heard this morning, but another section. And as it's come into uh, English, it, it's, it seems to denote kind of the sense that, I don't know, that life happens according to kind of a predictable circle of life. You know, I always want to start singing Lion King when I think of this phrase, right? But it's just like, you know, a, a predictable uh, circle of life, right? One of the uh, famous passages from the book of Ecclesiastes is often picked at funerals. There's an appointed time for everything under the sun, right? There's a time to plant and a time to uproot a plant. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, right? A time to live and a time to die. That's a very common, right? The same idea that under the sun, everything seems to operate according to this sort of inevitable chain of events, I think the readings in their totality this weekend are really challenging us to make sure that we don't see all of reality as under the sun. Right? The, the, the Christian worldview, the religious worldview, is that there's something above the sun which, which integrates and focuses everything under the sun. So I actually think the biblical book of Ecclesiastes is meant to teach God's truth by negation. It's supposed to expose the limited worldview of seeing things only as they appear under the sun. And if you look at things just meaning under the sun, meaning just this world, material things, and above the sun, meaning the heavenly realm, Right, the spiritual realm, God's realm, that if we see things from only under the sun, we have a limited perspective on reality. And it seems to me we can go like one or two different ways with that. The one way is like despair. It's like, if this is all there is, it's kind of meaningless. Nothing matters. Right? It's just... Right? And, and Ecclesiastes gives voice to some of that. Right, Everything is vanity. All things are vanity. It's giving, it's giving voice to the limited perspective of seeing things under the sun. Nothing seems to matter. No matter how much you work, somebody else is going to get ahead with doing less work. Right? No matter what you do, right? it, just, it seems to be just inevitable. I think, actually, the, um, the perspective of Ecclesiastes is a little more subtle. The word uh, vanity there, everything is vanity, vanities of vanities, right, in this passage from Ecclesiastes. The word there, some translators will, just, will say you could translate the Hebrew word there, everything is wind, everything is vapor, or my favorite translation, everything is like bubbles. Right? Everything is like bubbles. In other words, a bubble right, comes into existence and then dissipates. I was, uh, I was drawn to this interpretation because last weekend I was at a wedding in, uh, in my old parish. And at the reception, this like eight-year-old girl who was uh, the younger bridesmaid 
She had one of these bubble guns, these things. And she is on the dance floor for three and a half hours spraying everyone dancing uh, with bubbles, like constantly. And then I went home on Sunday and my nephew had his uh, two-year-old birthday party and he was, he had so many bubbles, so many bubble blowers around there. And we blew bubbles for four hours, me and Teddy. But wait, that's a great, I think what Ecclesiastes is saying is like about the transitory nature of life, right? Everything below the sun, right? It's transitory, it's passing, right? It comes into existence, it comes out, goes out of existence, right? But, but, but actually the Christian perspective too is that if, as long as you have the perspective of above the sun, it gives meaning to everything under the sun. Right? So if we just are under the sun, it's like, what does any of this mean? It seems all meaningless. Right? It's a kind of nihilism, a kind of existential despair about life. Right? But when we see things from above the sun, we see, oh my gosh, all of these goods on earth can take on incredible meaning in God's purposes, in God's providence. So we can never despair or be, uh, you know, trapped in the meaninglessness of life because everything under the sun takes on a divine perspective when we're seeing it from the standpoint of above the sun. And so we're meant to see, I think, in Ecclesiastes, a reminder of the transitory passing nature of existence below the sun, but also we're reminded, right, by Jesus, that God can infuse everything below the sun. But we have to be open to that. The other extreme we could go to under the sun is if this all that there is, we might despair, but the other extreme is to say if this is all that there is, I'm going to maximize it. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to glorify and idolize the things of this world. And that's what Jesus is warning about in the gospel, specifically with wealth or greed. But we could, we could multiply it to all of the other things we might pursue as a source of our ultimate good and ultimate value in terms of honor and pleasure and, and wealth and power, right? All of those things. But he, he singles out wealth. And, you know, he tells it as a parable, but we don't have to look far to see that parable in the concrete, right? That we busy ourselves with building bigger and bigger things, consuming more and more of things. And at the end of the day, we all know we're going to die and leave it all behind. And Jesus says, you fools, what are you doing? Instead of constantly striving for doing the things that matter to God, loving radically and generously, we spend our time busying about and storing up for our treasures that moth and decay will destroy so Jesus, he doesn't critique being rich, right? He says, it's an it's a interesting way he says it. He says, though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Though one may be rich, our ultimate good is not found in wealth. Right? It's the attachment to that is the ultimate source of our goodness and happiness that Jesus critiques. It's not allowing us to see any blessings we receive as a reflection of divine goodness and love, not as the ultimate source of it. I'm always reminded of what Augustine says. He says, we are great at mistaking 
the creature for the creator. We see something good in the created world, and we think that's the ultimate good, and saying, no, no, that, that's a reflection of the creator. It shares in the creator's goodness. But we often idolize and mistake the creature for the creator. And so, friends, I would argue that if we have a limited perspective, if we only see reality from under the sun, we will likely either despair and say there's no point to any of it, or we will seek after material goods or other things as the ultimate source of our existence, which will also leave us with a kind of emptiness and despair. It's only when we see reality from above the sun, with God's lens, with God's viewpoint, right? St. Paul says in the second reading in Colossians, seek that which is above. Seek the things that are above, not the things of earth. It's not to denigrate the things of earth, but it's to remind us to see all the things under the sun in light of everything above the sun. And then we can see everything under the sun with a much clearer lens. So friends, let's strive um, in this Eucharist, in this Mass, by the Lord's grace, um, to not have that limited perspective. There's nothing new under the sun. And we don't see everything as just contained under the sun. We see things from above the sun, from God's perspective. And when we see from that perspective, we avoid the temptation for the meaninglessness of life. We avoid the temptation.